Right. And today we are going to begin a five-week preaching series titled Learning Evang Evangelism from Jesus. The series is a collaboration with the Madison Multiply, uh, our local church planning network, which includes the Vine Church, uh, Eastside Church, and then Redeemer City. And this morning, we are privileged to have Zach Nielsen come and preach for us. He is the lead pastor and an elder at the Vine. He and his wife, Kim, have four children and he is a graduate of the University of Northern Iowa and Covenant Theological Seminary. Our text for this morning is John 3, 1 through 15. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you guys this morning. I'm Zach. And I'm uh, one of the pastors at The Vine, and I'm here, I got three of my kiddos here with me. Um, our oldest is not here with us today. Um, but yeah, I'm married to Kim. It's uh, been 24 years, and um, she works for Karis Classical Academy, which, which some, of, uh, some of your kids go to, I think. Um, and yeah, so... We're doing this series here in uh, the next five weeks and kind of rotating different pastors from three different churches. And Madison Multiply is our little local church planning network that we're really excited about. Um, the Vine was planted 12 years ago, and four years later, Redeemer City was planted. And then just over two years ago, we, we planted uh, Eastside Church. And so we desire to be a family of churches that plants more churches. And so we share office space together in the Vine location. And um, we just have a, a context where we can mutually encourage one another and support one another and just see more church plants, God willing, by his spirit, um, be sent into, into Madison. And so let me just give you a, a, a bit more detail about where we're going in these next five weeks in this series entitled Learning Evangelism from Jesus. We're going to be looking at Jesus' own evangelistic account, encounters in the scriptures. 
okay? There's a lot we can learn about how to do evangelism, how to tell people about Jesus, how to seek to do the first step of making disciples by just watching Jesus do it. And so our desire is that three churches collectively would grow in this passion and in this knowledge of how to do this, okay? So our scripture was read from John chapter 3. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to open it. It'll be on the screen, but um, I just like to sometimes have you see with your own eyes and know where to find things. Um, if you don't have a hard, hard copy Bible, um, it's really easy to just open up your phone and open up your browser and type in John chapter 3 and out it comes. So uh, don't be afraid to do that as well. But two main points this morning from, from this text. Number one, salvation is completely a work of God. Salvation is completely a work of God. And two, look. Look to Jesus for salvation. Look to Jesus for salvation. Not complicated. Um, And I want to see us uh, unpack this from the scriptures. So let's look at John chapter 3 as we think about learning evangelism from Jesus. And verse 1 says this. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So whenever we're seeking to understand our Bibles, it's very, very important to understand the context. Okay? So a lot of us don't know anything about this guy named Nicodemus. We don't know anything about uh, a Pharisee. What does that mean? Right? Who are these Pharisee people? And so we need to start there. He was a ruler of the Jews, it says. See that in verse 1? So the first thing to note is that this guy, Nicodemus, was deeply religious. Deeply religious. The Pharisees at this time in history, in this part of the world where Jesus lived, the Pharisees were kind of like the, the BMOC, the big man on campus, when it comes to the religious culture. Okay? Um, they did all the right things, they said all the right things, they followed the rules. And what's important to note for this morning is that Pharisees believed that if we just obeyed the law of God, the commands of God better, that we would get salvation, we would earn our salvation. So they believed they could receive the favor of God if they just simply obeyed the law better, okay? Obedience to rules leads to salvation. That's a Pharisee mindset, and that's who's coming to Jesus right now in this scene. Salvation earned through works. Now, the question for us as we learn evangelism from Jesus is, do we know any people like that? Maybe you've come this morning, and that's kind of your default setting. If I just do enough good things... There's a God, he'll be, he'll be obligated to save me because of my good works. Or, or at least I got a really good shot. Like this is the religion of Islam today in our, in our world. A billion adherents or so. It's the religion of Judaism. There's almost every single religion in the world other than biblical Christianity is this Nicodemus mindset just work hard, so enough good, 
in your life that outweighs the bad. And, and then God will be obligated to look at like the ledger sheet of your life. God's going to run a, a cost benefit, I'm sorry, a, a profit loss statistics. And uh, maybe, maybe you've earned it. That's, that's many people in our lives that we come in contact with that don't know Jesus. Just like Nicodemus. So many people need to hear the good news of salvation in Jesus that are just like Nicodemus. Obedience to rules, obedience to certain standards equals some definition of salvation. Okay? Like this is, this is, cult, um, this is um, virtue signaling in our day today, right? It's a, a new term that's come about in the last few years. I got I a signal, mainly on social media or other platforms, that... I'm virtuous, that I'm a follower of the good deeds of the day, whatever they might, might be. I have to let people know that I'm righteous. I adhere to the cultural laws of the day. Like we're all like Nicodemus, or we can be tempted towards that, even if we say we're not religious. So check this out. Everyone is religious. Everyone is religious. Like when you're sharing your faith, sometimes you'll hear people say, ah, I'm just not really that religious. Like I had a conversation with one of my friends uh, that doesn't know the Lord yesterday. And, and he said, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really not that religious anymore. And what I've often said to people is like, honestly, I believe that no matter what, everybody's religious. And then they kind of give you that kind of weird look like, what are, you, what are you talking about? What I mean is, what is religion? Whether it's Nicodemus or your neighbor or us sitting here, what, what is religion? Well, what is it? It's, it's just a, ultimately a, a set of ultimate values that make sense of the world. And by adhering to those ultimate values, you earn salvation. And salvation can be defined a lot of different ways, right? In Islam, it's paradise. You know, in, in Buddhism, it's reincarnation, or Hinduism, reincarnation. Like everybody, just by our nature, has a set of ultimate values, right? For example, I, I saw a, a billboard this week here in Madison uh, from the Freedom From Religion Foundation. It's a, a, a famous kind of atheist group. And their headquarters are here in Madison. I don't know if you guys knew that. The Freedom From Religion Foundation. On big billboard I drove by and saw it this week. And I would say they're just as religious as anybody sitting here or, or Nicodemus. Why would I say that? They, they would reject that. But here's the deal. They have ultimate values. They have a definition of salvation or the good life. And the way that that can be achieved, right? Get rid of religion. The world would be a better place. These are their ultimate values. And so if we just do A, B, C, and D, we can achieve those ultimate values and then thus achieve salvation. So you see what I mean? Everybody's religious, right? Everybody's trying to climb the ladder of good deeds as, as you define it, as they define it, to achieve salvation. And Jesus has something profound to say 
to religious people. And that's what we see in this conversation with Nicodemus. He's talking to a very religious person. I think it's going to be applicable to our context because everybody's religious in some sense. So number one, we're going to see that salvation is completely a work of God. And number two, look, look to Jesus for salvation. Look at verse one again with me. All that context uh, now behind us. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So what's Nicodemus saying here? What's he doing? He's saying to Jesus, Jesus, I see some some things in you. I see that you do some really amazing things. And in some sense, God is with you. We can kind of we can kind of look at the evidence and look at what you're doing and go, man, there's something unique here. We're not really sure what it is, but there's something really, really spiritual, amazing miracles, right? We see things in you. You're a teacher. Look at it where he says, "We're a teacher. You are a teacher. Come from God." Like a lot of people in our day are willing to join Nicodemus in that statement. That in some sense, Jesus is a good guy, right? Like when he says things like, turn the other cheek and don't seek revenge and be forgiving and hang out with marginalized people. Like a lot of people really can, in our day and age, can respect that. Lots of people like Jesus when he's teaching these things. You probably had conversations like that maybe. They might even think he's divine in some sense. Like Muslims believe that Jesus was divine in some sense. He was a great prophet. Just not the son of God. But look at how Jesus evangelizes Nicodemus. When he says, you know, I, I can see some things in you, Jesus. Like, you probably come from God in some sense. And Jesus says, man, your religion doesn't go far enough. Look at verse 3. He says to him, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's like he's saying to Nicodemus, you're seeing things in me. But if you really want to see the kingdom of God, if you really want to know God, if you really want to know who I am, Nicodemus, you have to go further. You have to be born again. What are you talking about, Jesus? Right? And put yourself in in Nicodemus' shoes. Like imaginatively place yourself in the text. Jesus, what are you talking about? Like, it's, it's, inter- it's interesting that, and we're going to see Nicodemus feel this way, but this sounds as strange to him. I'm sorry, this, this sounds as strange to people today as it did to him back then. And, and look, at, look at what Nicodemus says, verse 4. 
Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Nicodemus is thinking physically here, right? You can't do the birth process twice. You can't do the physical birth process twice. That only happens once. Thankfully, right, ladies? Look at verse 5. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now stop right here. You won't see it on the screen, but if you have it in your hands, you can, you can compare these two. Look at verse 3 and look at verse 5. Look at the parallels between verse 3 and verse 5. Verse 3, he starts with, truly, truly, I say to you. Verse 5, he starts with, truly, truly, I say to you. Verse 3 is, you must be born again. Verse 5 is, look at it, you must be born of water and the Spirit. Verse 3 is, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And what is the verse 5? He cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what is all that? There's, there's three parallels here. Truly, truly, born in some sense, again, or water in the spirit. See the kingdom of God, enter the kingdom of God. He's basically saying the same thing for the sake of emphasis, okay? Repetition for the sake of emphasis. So he, he didn't hear it. He, Nicodemus didn't hear it after verse 3, so Jesus just says it a different way in verse 5. And for us to see this most clearly, we have to do just a little bit of Old Testament background, okay? Um, when Jesus speaks of, look at verse 5. When Jesus speaks of water and spirit, born of water and spirit, it's just an Old Testament way of saying being born again. Let me prove that to you, okay? Because he's, Nicodemus is supposed to be the Bible guy. He's really religious, and at this time, the Old Testament was what they had. He's supposed to know the Old, Old Testament backwards and forwards. And Jesus is like, you're the Bible guy. You should know this. We're going to see that in a second. But what he's referring to when he talks about being born of water and spirit comes from Ezekiel. And I think we'll have this on the screen. Ezekiel 36. And this is many centuries before this conversation took place. And the prophet Ezekiel is, is talking to a wayward, disobedient, horribly idolatrous people about what's going to happen in the future. And he says this, I will sprinkle, he's, Ezekiel, speaking for God now, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities or from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. How would you summarize what Ezekiel's saying here? New heart, new spirit, remove heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. Like all this, this language of newness, right? 
Jesus is just saying to Nicodemus, very religious guy, who thinks he's got an eye for the work of God, and you can see it in Jesus, and he's just saying to Nicodemus, your eye to, to, to figure things out and see maybe God in me in some sense, it's not enough. Your eye's not enough. You need to become a whole new person. You have to be remade. Another way to say that would be born again. You were made once, Nicodemus, when you were physically conceived, and now you need to be remade again and be spiritually awakened, spiritually reborn, spiritually made alive. A new creation. That's exactly what he says as we keep reading. Look at verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You're born physically once, and you are a physical person, right? And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So you have to be born again, spiritually speaking. And this, right now, is where this evangelism, where Jesus evangelizes Nicodemus, it gets even crazier, maybe even more confusing until we get to the end. What he's going to show Nicodemus here is that you can't control this process. This is a work of God. You can't force God's hand. You can't manipulate it. You can't organize it. You can't manufacture it. Look at verse 8. This rebirth process, Jesus is going to give us an analogy. Verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. Now he explains the analogy. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Recently, you guys probably remember we had a, it's probably a month ago now, had that really intense thunderstorm, wind, high winds. Uh, my son Emery and I were standing at the window looking at trees that usually are like this, and they're going like this, you know, and you're like, whoa, this, this is about to go down. Like, this is wild. Should we go to the basement? And I, have, I don't think I've seen winds like that in my adult life. Uh, and, and thankfully, it only happened for about, Five minutes, and then it was just kind of over, in our neighborhood at least. And I just remember thinking, man, this is, this is a really, really big deal. The trees down everywhere in our neighborhood. And that I was, you know, you're standing there watching this happen, and you have that feeling of like, there is like zero I can do to control any of this. Like, we are truly at the mercy that phrase, is, that phrase is, uh, has connections to our text. We're at the mercy of the, the weather. I, I'm not going to go outside and start barking orders at the winds and expecting it to obey me, right? The wind does what it wants to do. The, the wind does what it does. Like we don't control it. It's way more powerful than us. Like, I didn't start that wind. I can't stop that wind. 
and I can't even see it, right? You can't see the wind. You see the effects of the wind, right? Trees down, leaves blind, fl- flying around everywhere. You can't, see, you can't even see the wind, but you see its effects. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus, someone who wants to control his salvation through his obedience, you can't control, your, you can't even control your own salvation. Being born again, ultimately, is a work of God. It doesn't start with you, it doesn't end with you. It starts and ends with God. The wind blows where it wants to. That's what it says, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes. So it is. With that, see it there in verse 8? So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Does that sound confusing? Well, you can join Nicodemus in that. He was confused too. Look, let's keep going. Verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, I already hinted at this, and now Jesus says it. Are you the teacher of Israel, meaning you're the Bible guy, Nicodemus? Pharisees teach, teach the Bible. Pharisees are experts in the scriptures. Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Like, Nicodemus, you know Ezekiel, the text we just saw, what it says about water and spirit and how God promised that he would initiate this work in his people. And you know Jeremiah 31, which says very, very similar things. Classic text in the Old Testament. Let's keep going. Verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 11, we speak of what we know... And bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. So what he's saying here is the hearts of the Jewish people were generally speaking hard towards him. You do not receive the things that I say. That's what he says to Nicodemus, verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? This is a little harder to understand, but what what Jesus is getting at here is this born-again process, it happens on earth. It happens to people on earth. It's like the entry into the kingdom of God. You must be born again. So he's saying, Nicodemus, if you can't understand this, this basic stuff, this this first-level stuff, how can we move on to more teaching? If if you want to listen to me, and, and you know that I'm a teacher from God in some sense, as you said earlier, Nicodemus. But you can't grasp this. How can we keep going as you listen to me? But he wants to, him to understand something in verse 13. Let's keep going. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. It's like Jesus is saying, but Nicodemus, I do have authority to speak on heavenly things because I'm from heaven. 
It's my home. I am the son of man. So what have we learned about evangelism from Jesus to religious people? Everybody knows religious people. What have we learned so far? Basically, we've learned one thing. And, and, and on the surface, it might not seem super helpful. Jesus has just told Nicodemus that being religious is not, is not good enough. Like being a doer of good deeds is not good enough. Virtue signaling is not good enough. He's saying, Nicodemus, you have to become a new creation. The theological term is regeneration. You have to be regenerated. And how does that happen? Well, he just tells Nicodemus, it's a work of God. You can't control that happening in your life any more than you can control the wind. It has to happen, and you can't do anything to make it happen. Like, this isn't exactly like evangelism training as I've, as I remember it, you know, in my experience in the Christian life. Jesus, Jesus, what's going on here? Well, hold on for a second. And then let's see what comes next, and then we'll be, then we'll be finished. Verse 14. So let's, let's put it in context. Verse 13 is, basically tells Nicodemus, I'm the son of man, and I, I'm in heaven, and I came from heaven. And verse 14 says, as Moses lifted up the serpent, the serpent in the wilderness... So must, again, analogy and then application, okay? So the analogy is Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. All right, so what's going on here? Again, we have to know our Old Testament. He's talking to, to, to Nicodemus, deep Old Testament guy. A lot of us aren't Old Testament guys and girls, or we're just kind of new to our Bible, and that's great. Uh, so let me explain what's going on here. Moses, serpent, wilderness, what is this all about? Well, what Jesus is doing here is he's talking about something that happened in the book of Numbers, chapter 21. A poignant moment in the life of God's people in the Old Testament, okay? Okay. And so I'll just summarize the text so we don't have to open to it. Um, God's people had just been rescued from Egypt. You know, like, let my people go, that whole thing. Moses, Red Sea, they're saved. Pharaoh and his armies defeated. They, they're, they're journeying to a land that God has promised them after he saved them from Pharaoh. And they're in that process of being saved. And they're in that process of getting to the land. And it's tough sledding. And the food is not good. The food is not up to their standards. And a lot of them complain, like, let's just go back to Egypt. It's just whining and complaining. They forget their salvation, and they're just bickering and whining. And in light of how God just saved them, that's a, a deep offense. That's an assault on God's goodness and his glory. And so he judges them. And he judges them in a pretty intense way. He sends serpents to come and bite them 
and some of them die. And it, and, it's, and it gets their attention, and they repent, and they ask God for forgiveness and a way of escape from, the, from his judgment, right? They recognize their disobedience. They repent of their sin. They ask God for a, a, an escape from this judgment of him. And God supplies God provides a way of escape from his judgment. This is from Numbers 21, verse 8 and 9, kind of the the summary of this account. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look to the bronze serpent and live. Now listen to verse 14 again of John 3. This is Jesus talking to Nicodemus, evangelizing him. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. See the parallel? He's saying this is what happened in the Old Testament. And that actually, that event foreshadows what I'm here to do. That event was the shadow, and now I am the reality. All the Old Testament people had to do was look, was look at the, 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 the form of a serpent on this stick, and they would be healed. They just had to look and trust God's provision. And it was done, physical healing. And Jesus is just saying, it works the same with me now in a spiritual way. I will be lifted up like that snake was lifted up. And when you look upon me and believe, you will be spiritually healed. You will be given what Ezekiel is talking about. Like the born of the water and the spirit and and removed the heart of stone and given a, a heart of flesh that beats after the heartbeat of God. New eyes to see, new ears to hear. The process of becoming a new creation, right? Anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So here's the deal. If you have a desire to look upon Jesus for salvation, what that means is the wind of the Spirit has been blowing on your life. It's the wind of the Spirit that even gives you a desire to want to look upon Jesus for salvation from the judgment of God. See how that works? So a lot of us get confused when we read this text and go, well, if salvation is purely a work of God, does that mean I just lay in bed all day and just, like, hope that something happens? And if not, well, then oh, I guess God's not blowing on the window spirit on me and uh, I'm going to be lost forever. That's not how it works. The call for us 
is, are you willing to look? Are you willing to look upon Jesus? And if the answer is yes, then you look at John 3 and go, oh, okay, I think something is, is happening in me. And it helps me understand that even my desire to look has been created by God. I might not feel it experientially, but if I have a desire to look, the Bible tells me that's because he's, work, he's done a preceding work on my heart. Salvation is still a work of God. I don't get the credit for it. Biblically speaking, he gets the credit for it. But you don't have to worry about the plans of God. What you need to do is, is just say, when I see Jesus on the cross, how does that make me feel? Does that look like foolishness to me or does that look like everything that I need for salvation? So, so, so what do we learn about evangelism this morning from Jesus talking to a very religious person? Your religion won't save you. Your adherence to the strictness of it won't allow you to see God as you need to see. Like you want to see God? He calls to Nicodemus, turn away from the coming judgment, just like the Old Testament people had to do, and look. Look to me, and you will be saved. Like sometimes I feel like we make evangelism too complicated, right? Like sometimes we just have to look, look at people like Jesus did here and say, here's just the simple facts. There's a God and it's not us and we've sinned against him and there's a judgment that comes as a result of that. But the way of escape is Jesus and this event that happened in real space, time, and history 2,000 years ago where Jesus laid down his life to pay the price for your sins that you deserve. So that if you come to him and just look to him in faith and say, God, I trust you. I want to turn away from my sin. I want to turn towards this and trust it, that this is the provision that I need. This is what I need to save me from my sins. If you're willing to do that, you become a new person. Moment by moment. God is remaking you from one degree of glory to the next, the Bible says. And just say that to people. Just say it. And yes, there's going to be a lot of like follow-up discussions and a lot of questions you might not be equipped to answer. That's okay. It's a process, right? But ultimately, that's what we have to share with people. Look to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about religion. And that's what I wanted to say to my friend yesterday, and I'm planning to. I didn't get to yesterday. But he's had a lot of experience with Christian things and Christian people and different denominations and different experiences. And what I, what I, what I want to say to him, and I plan to, God help me, is that all that stuff in one sense doesn't matter. You've got Christian baggage some weird false teaching stuff over here, some other kind of weird experiences here, and God's people are messed up over here, and there's false teaching over here. Yep, we get it. Actually, Jesus promised it, by the way, that the church would be messed, messed up. There would be false teachers that would come in, right? None of that really matters. What matters most is look to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. 
And so in some ways, that's the simple evangelism training this morning as we learn evangelism from Jesus. It's just calling people to look to him and, and not being ashamed of that, right? It's okay to get weird looks at work. It's okay. It'll be okay. God is still blowing with the wind of his spirits to make new creations. The question is, are you willing to look and believe? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word that you've given this morning in John chapter 3. I pray you'd help us this morning. I pray you would help us. That we would that we would um, flee from religious impulses to try to manipulate or manufacture your favor upon us, but just simply receive your favor upon us as we look and trust and treasure you and what you have done. This message that, that continues in verse 16, that you love the world, that you gave your only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. May we never get over that news personally and may it inspire us to share with those that don't know you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.